As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of normally the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. This is not the university. At least I'm not at the university. Joel might be at the university. Not necessarily the University of Guelph. He could be hanging out in the University of, I'm just going to say, uh, Moncton. Because Maybe. that's honestly the only place in New Brunswick I can think of. St. Andrews? University of St. Andrews? <laughs> I'm really, I'm out. That's all I got. Uh, Android's Dungeon is a show about books, movies, games, music, and we focus on tabletop stuff, specifically board games. And right now we are split in two different provinces. I'm in Ontario feeling sick, stuffy, nasally, so I'm going to be less dynamic than normal, which is saying a lot, I think. And, uh, or not saying a lot. And uh, we've got Joel over in New Brunswick. How are you doing, Joel? Not bad. Uh, so yeah, so this is live. One o'clock Thursday, your time. Two o'clock my time. <laughs> Which is really interesting when you're still working because you know you start work at nine thirty and then you don't get off till six. So everybody's like hanging around waiting to eat dinner. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it sucks to be them. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, I appreciate this uh, the show coming up because I had actually. I was just sitting around and, you know, everybody's in conversation and we're in New Brunswick. It's a bilingual province. A lot of the people here speak primarily French and a lot of the conversation was taking place in French. And so I was just sitting on the couch, you know, doodling on my phone. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I could get to go record the show and speak in English. It's, it's, It's kind of pushing it, you know, if you've got somebody who doesn't speak the language and you speak uh, a language yeah. and their well, language. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Joel's here. We gotta, guys. Can we talk in English for a bit? <laughs> yeah. Barbarian that doesn't learn French. Well, that's saying a lot from the guttural uh, Quebecois patois that uh, Canadians call French, anyway. So yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, so, so, what? How was the trip out there? Was the the plane ride okay? Not bad, you know, like, it's kind of weird because I'm in the air for, like, a total of less than two hours, but it takes me the whole day to get there. So, yeah, yeah I gotta, that's really weird. Bust <laughs> out to the airport, take the first flight, sit in Montreal, and obviously there's only one flight a day out to Bathurst, New Brunswick, which is, like, you know, population 100,000 or something. Uh, and then from there, driving 45 minutes here to Charlotte. Which is about population six hundred, uh, and yeah, so we're just on the Bay of Chaleur. The I don't know if you've ever seen pictures from Sam's dad's place, but it's pretty nice. It's just right there on the waterfront. And did, so, did you guys get married time. there? Yeah, we we got married on a cottage about ten minutes uh, west of here. Oh, okay. But on the same road, basically. Sure. And apparently, that I just found out that tonight that that place got sold. Just oh, too bad. huh? A lot what, of good investments out here, Jack. You know, the well, price is starting to go up. I was going to say, I wonder what uh, 
the New Brunswick prices are. Although I never hear it mentioned in my. I think one hundred ninety thousand would get you just about anything. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Yet, well, you know, my plan is always to get out east. So I don't. Your plan is even worse than mine to go to west. So. <laughs> Well, Sam and her friends there and uh, Stacy, who all have parents still living here, have talked about buying a property and, you know, suckering their parents into managing it and, you know, renting it out or Airbnb it or whatever. Right. And then, you know, they'd have a property to move to one day if they wanted to. Yeah. And it'd probably triple it value by 10 years from now because... Is that sad though? That it's like it's one of these because obviously real estate's always been real estate, and buying land, not making any more of it, is is rarely a bad choice. It's only when you get over leveraged or you overpay for a property that you shouldn't have paid for. But uh, it kind of says a lot about nobody's talking about like inventing something cool or like going back to school and like becoming a specialized doctor. It's like let's let's all just, just buy some houses. Let's buy some houses and just it's got to go up, right? Just it's gonna get better and better. <laughs> Just and who do we sell the houses to? Don't worry about that. Just keep buying yeah. houses. <laughs> Eventually, you know, who knows what will happen? I guess well, uh, we'll just sell them all to the to China. Yeah, sell them to or uh, I, you know what? I think Vietnam. It's Vietnam's turn. They're gonna <laughs> and I'll go to Vietnam. We'll do a little exchange program. Nom. Just I'm in Saigon. Shit. Uh, speaking of. Uh, Saigon. It's this is not speaking of Saigon at all. Uh, Joel, what are you been playing recently? <laughs> nice segue. Um, well, I wanted to talk about two things that I gave a run at this week. One was um, something old and something new. Yeah, uh, the something old big. thing, yeah, something borrowed and something blue. <laughs> the old thing we we talked about not too long ago, which was I got another crack at. Letters from Whitechapel, and I'm well, we actually report that I had a really good experience. Yeah, it's like we, when you posted that picture of the game, um, I was looking forward to hearing your thoughts about it because, frankly, I've forgotten all about it. And uh, I think I have some new insights okay, into good. why it's better uh, two-player. Isn't it? I thought it was always a two-player game. No, it's it's like a one versus many. Like It's like oh. Curia Dracula and all those genres. I thought it was that's see I was confused by that so okay. Shows and then uh, the new thing is not necessarily altogether new, but we finally got a crack at one of the puzzle versions of the Exit series, which was Ooh. absolutely mind-blowingly fantastic. And I don't know how they keep Ooh. doing it. it. I I'm super excited, <laughs> and, and I'm worried. I don't want you. The problem is that I want you to talk about it a lot. But I don't want you to you talk about wanna, a lot. Yeah, I don't want you a single thing. Play it. Yeah, so I yeah. think we're going to have to be very careful if we discuss that one. Well, I think the last time we talked about an exit game was probably over text, and I told you that a Portal Between Worlds was the best one I'd ever played, and that you needed to get that ASAP. I don't know if okay. you have, but Portal no, Between no, I forgot Worlds about it. Was a just a regular one. We played it uh, at Long Point when we were camping. Yeah, and. Jason, who had never played an exit game before, just got yeah. so excited and wanted to play all of them. He was oh. just like, he, he had no idea that such a thing could exist. You know, like a game that you buy, you only play it once, and it's actually worth the money. And it's just like it just is such a memorable experience. And the puzzles in that were 
really good. And even yeah. even the transitions between the puzzles, because it's kind of, uh, I'll tell you something that's not going to solve any of the puzzles for you. Yeah, you're going from portal to portal between worlds. Okay, which is kind of neat. The um, creativity is it still the same too? Is it Ingus and yeah, Marcus Brand? Ingus and Marcus and Brand, and I don't understand how they keep knocking it out of the park. Like I, you'd think they'd run out of ideas by now. I wonder if they uh, it's like a brand where it's like secret, like hidden behind their name is a little trademark or a <laughs> brand <and> team. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it, they've actually got a whole team of like they've got uh, thirty sweaty, hardworking. Uh, like uh, graduate students coming up with novel puzzles. It's like, can we do this? Oh, we already did that on the other one. All right, screw it. Sorry, you're out. Oh, Maybe I know we can. Like, they have some book of old riddles they found or something. And you they know what? They're going to run out. Or, you know, maybe they <laughs> signed a deal with the devil. and <laughs> He's just coming up with clever tricks that they different ways they can use the box <laughs> uh, you know it's, it, you're probably aside from the satanist element i think the old puzzle or old riddle thing that's might be one of the ways to do it but it's that doesn't teach you how to do um the 3d stuff right like who wh- how who's teaching you to like bend over paper in such a way to like poke holes in it or uh that's the thing that's the exciting thing i wanted to tell you about in this new one is that you think, okay, so that's cool. They've added puzzles. You have to build a puzzle in order to get the map. That's and then cool. that's it. It's, you know, just a puzzle. That's, that's all it is. No, there's four puzzles. Oh, my God. Each one is basically like turning the page in the retro one, right? Like each puzzle is a visual uh, visual clues that you need to then unravel yeah. and solve. But that's not it. They actually use, and I don't want to give anything away, but they use the elements of the puzzles existing. In order for you to have to actually solve the riddles, you know, because puzzles are pieces that fit together. I don't want to say anything, but they yeah. can change, you know, yeah. it's not a solid piece of paper anymore. Well, I'm, unfortunately, I think you've already to said too much. Joel. <laughs> now I think I've already figured some things out here, but that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I'm really excited to try them. Uh, my own little exit story is not nearly as interesting, but um, I think Kayla picked up. Uh, as a, a housewarming gift, or it was going to be a housewarming gift for Victoria for a new place. I could be missing this up, but the bottom line is she went and bought an exit game, and uh, she picked up uh, this one, and I'm looking at it and said, wait a second, no, 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 no. She picked up the Forbidden Castle again. Uh, <laughs> and and that's the one we actually played with Victoria. Infamous, all the-, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the most infamous exit game you could ever play the most absurdly brutal it's the one uh, that's always still on the shelf any, any game cafe you go to which is funny because like is it just as everyone's been burned on it or is it that i think um, you just look it up look it up online you'll see it's got the worst ratings out of any of them just like does it actually bombed yeah wow yeah it was insanely nonsensical and difficult like they really they they flipped to the did end you of play the it again or did no, you no 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 it's, it's sitting we're gonna it give off. it to somebody else here you go <laughs> <laughs> some poor sucker that you don't like very much we're gonna ruin somebody else's night <laughs> yeah we're gonna um, play it but every time i that. every time i look though there's more exit games it's they, they so keep many they keep releasing them and anyway i think we should be clear here for people who don't aren't familiar with the series exit is it's basically they and i think they've kind of gone away from this uh but they initially started and they build themselves as escape room in a box because i wonder if escape rooms even exist anymore um, or maybe there'll be one of those things where it's like 
the lockdowns have closed them all, but now they'll come back as people are more excited than ever to do weird little social things. But anyway, these are little, uh, they're like uh, card boxes, like Haba style. Um, they're like 15 bucks around there. If you're paying more than 15, or like I was going to say, like 20 should be on the top end. If you're paying more than 20 for these, you are getting ripped off. I'm sorry. And but there's tons of content in there. There's like a, a solid uh, probably two, two and a half hours worth of gameplay in these boxes. And they're one and done so that you play them, you interact with the contents, you are, are told like to fold and rip and draw and cut. And at the end of the game, you have this little you, you have an experience and it's an experience generator in the most raw sense. And I think Joel would agree with oh, me when I say it's Pardon a, me? There, there's no game element. There's no randomness. It's just it's just here's you. the puzzle. Right. You need to solve it, and you're doing it together. You could have one person do the whole thing. Yeah. Hopefully, one person is not just so smart, and everyone else is so dumb. Or yeah. you know, maybe they just take over that they're doing the whole thing. Usually, you, yeah. what you find is that every person has their strength and has some experience sure. with riddles, and it's like, oh, I know this thing. This thing looks familiar. That's one of my favorite things in the in the thing is when somebody takes the piece of paper or whatever that is turns it upside down and is like muttering to themselves and drawing things and writing things and everyone else is looking at them like what the heck is going on over there and then all of a sudden they get the answer and you're like what did you just do yeah yeah happens all the time and it's such a magical moment and that's the the cool thing and obviously the only has headache could be like Joel mentioned is that if somebody's just steamrolling, then nobody else is going to get like, they're just going to be sitting there on their phones, which would be atrocious, but it's a group experience. You're all working together to solve these puzzles. And if you get stuck, there are hints and you get several hints in a row. Some of them are better than others. I find. And then you get an answer that allows you to move on. So you're never, ever permanently stuck in these games. So if you pick up one of the easier ones and you'll get hooked guaranteed do not start with the forbidden castle <laughs> and some of the other ones are really tricky too but uh the forbidden castle is just another league but honestly i would endorse those games in two seconds for anyone who's looking for a fun evening with their friends or who wants to play something really kind of interesting nobody else has played before and, and frankly it's a, you almost wish you had like a bunch of spares just floating around i know you have a few joel but i mean just keeping some for if your guests come over yeah. it's like do you want to play a do you want to play this game that, I, think I, I guarantee they'll never play anything like it. I think I have three unplayed right now, so that's great. And then I think it, we also have one, the pyramids, which we've already played, but somehow we got it like a thrift store or something. So we're just we're gonna give it away eventually. Oh, well, that's not bad. I think we actually played the pyramids with Harry, and he killed it. Oh no! <laughs> was it too easy, or was he just on fire? No, no, he just did really well. I think he he did maybe half of them himself. Well, at least uh, hopefully it was everyone's kind of on the same page and enjoying it. And when when somebody gets it, that's like, oh, oh, that makes sense. Oh, you're so smart. Good for you. Versus, uh, what? All right, if you say so. <laughs> did you play Dead Man on the Orient Express? Yes, that we did that one together. That one was like pretty tough. And then there was like a pass fail at the end, which was weird, eh? It was like, have you figured it out? Do you know who the killer is? Yeah, that's. And it wasn't. It took a couple mental leaps, I think. Thanks, logic yeah. leaps but uh yeah it was all right just looking at the general ratings here so the forbidden castle is a 6.9 and then everything else is 6.7.5 or higher which is not a huge gap 
Yeah. But everything everything is above 7.5 except for that. So uh, that says something. Yeah. Well, frankly, I I probably would have dragged it down if I even thought about rating them to be honest, but uh, Yeah, I gave it a 4. Whoa, harsh. <laughs> I was going to stick it a 5, but uh, yeah. which is not that much different, so I don't know why I got made such a reaction. So Anyway, um, if you get a chance to play, obviously play if you have played an exit try one of the puzzle ones it's so much better I, you need a little more time it's two to three hours and they they include that in like the the score you get at the end you know like yeah they estimate that you'll take a while because you do also have to build the puzzles yep i imagine um, that would take a bit longer in that one before we talk about uh my experience with jason i want to know what you've been up to what have you been playing lately it's um i haven't had any real so outside of playing Roll for the Galaxy a lot at the cottage, um, the only thing I've been able to do is I got to play a bit of... I played some two-player 1846 again with Kayla on uh, Sunday. And if you play online, you can you can really just do it with him like an hour, hour and a half maybe. Um, and it's not the, the finest way to play the game, but we both know what we're doing more or less, and uh, it's, it's, it's competitive. And I really don't know what to say beyond that. We just, it was close leading up to the end. And then, uh, and then I managed to just squeak out another, this one was a, a closer win for me. And I think part of the issue was I just managed Art. to build enough of a share lead. Cause I don't, I think you can have up to 70% of a company in that one. And maybe it's more, I could be wrong, but you can just, uh, you can really just, and if you've got a good run, like if you've got a Chicago to, uh, so an east to west run that nobody can stop you, you can just really start racking up cash in that game. And especially the two player oh, variant. This because one, the, the harbors too, right? I don't, if there are harbors, yeah, they're not, uh, they're not activated. The little in the harbor variant. tokens where you put $20 down and it adds 20 stop. It's a minor. If they do, it's because I think the miners are randomly generated, maybe not in the two player. Uh, we haven't seen those in a bit, though. I think they were pretty static in the ones we had. But there are miners that, like, you can pick one of the cities to make it worth an extra 30 bucks a run. Or uh, you can do a free upgrade in Cleveland or Toledo. Or some of the, the, the miners are actually, or the privates are pretty good in that game. But anyway, that's all I just, I there's not much to say. 1846. Um, you can just get atrocious. Like, the last run I had with the NYC was, I think, 780 bucks. And it's just, <laughs> it's like, your eyes are yeah. popping. It's a lot smaller map than 1830. Yes, yes. It seems very cozy, and you get those bonuses for going end-to-end. End. Yeah. That's still yeah. in it? Yeah. I think you could be very ruthless in it uh, with tokens, because there's a lot of tokens for a lot of companies, and if you're not playing nice with other players, you can really kind of screw them away. Off, yeah. I seem to remember, I think, why I did that to me in this game. Mm. <laughs> Which is like, you know, I could... Can't, I don't know if I could... I don't know what I'm trying to say. Something about fingers and how many times Wyatt screwed me in an 18x game, but <laughs> I need more fingers is the point. <laughs> I, I really can't think of a, a... We've played a few times. I can't think of any times when he's really... I've noticed a solid screw job. I think there have been a couple of miss... Not nicest track lays, but there's never been any sort of ex, like horrible sort of, yeah. oh, well, I'm up the creek. <laughs> Time to sell. Yeah, I've definitely been in a, quite a few situations where I've had like two cities leading to a token, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like no prospect of going the other way. It, Chicago it's, is really valuable. Holy 90. Yeah. It goes yeah. great. Yeah, I can see how it's, it's ridiculous. It's going. 
So it's, I think, so long story short, Chicago, um, I want to say Chicago Express, but it feels like Chicago Express because you want to get to Chicago as quick as possible. But 1846 is a, it's a perfectly reasonable game, but it's for supposedly a beginner's 18xx, I would not endorse it because it's, I find it's got some chrome to it. And I still think 1830 is far simpler. Um, and even though I prefer 18 max to 1830, it's it's still as pure as you get. I, as I've never played 29, uh, although I think 1889 might even be simpler too. But to each their own. But anyway, that's all I'll say about it because I, I can't really. It it's not the, the most dynamic. Here, uh, I'm seeing a 2D market. So does that mean that there's jumps? Mm-hmm. And the jumps are kind of like if you have double exactly the value of the share, you can move up twice. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And then if you don't exceed the value of the share, you don't go up, or you don't go up. And I think you'll have to look at us up too, because I can couldn't remember. But I think any shares in the market pool at the beginning or at the end of a stock round, you go down. And I don't know if it's Ooh. linear based on the amount of shares that are in the pool or if it's just a share. And I don't know if anything goes up if it's all sold out either. And it's incremental cap or partial capitalization. Yeah. Well, I uh, forgive it. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I did like this game. I, I remember I really enjoyed it. Do you guys like get? Are you bored with eighteen max now, or do you guys just think you like to try a different thing each time? Well, it's just forty six. It works at two players. That's the bottom line. Sure. It, there's no eighteen max two player variant that I'm aware of. And uh, when you we just when you can play online, like you're saying, I know you're asking if anyone to do uh, last week. If anyone to hop on eighteen xx. I couldn't tell just, if you had actually gotten in trouble before for playing at work or if you were No, 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 no. I was just joking. <laughs> it's just like I, I'm not play, I'm not doing that on my phone and I can't concentrate right. if I'm bouncing back and forth from meetings and things. So anyway, well, that's that. Bouncing back and forth. You just play the game and don't do anything else. <laughs> Honestly, that sounds pretty good, but <laughs> Well, uh I'm assuming you guys got a pretty good pace going by now as far as like uh you and Kayla don't spend too much time, you know, on, I don't know what to do or like asking questions because you guys are pretty much sharks by now, eh? I wouldn't say sharks, but I think you'd be like, I'd say you're on the same page in the sense of like the, the fundamentals are still there. There shouldn't be any questions to that. Yeah. So beyond maybe some confusion, like I'd say the only thing about 46 that I find still confusing this day is the way some of the miners or the, some of the privates operate in some of the, the spots that are saved for certain companies and some of the areas you can't touch unless you are, uh, unless you own one of those companies or you are one of the companies. So there's a little, a couple of little things here and there that still trip me up. But I've yet to play it in real life, which is hilarious. <laughs> the copy sits downstairs, but it's basically just a digital game as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not opposed I've, to doing I've, it, though. I've kind of got this feeling you guys, are the two of you... Are... Are, and even, even like when you have friends over and stuff are so active in 18xx games you guys have learned so much uh, that when i come into like a 18xx game with you it's kind of like stefan was describing uh like playing Civ with me how he, he's only won once and it was like an accident and that's kind of how i feel, feel like when i'm trying to when i come into an 18x game I'm like, you know, I'm like, do my best i'm gonna try to i'm gonna have fun but i don't expect to win no, that's I. Well, you're being. I, I don't know about that necessarily. I think the we've just played enough, and like, I've lost plenty of 
of these games it's it's just every time you you do something you you look back on it and you think what could i have done differently and usually it boils down to selling and starting a new company that's what it's usually just rush the trains yeah you you do get a little more comfortable with those kind of actions though right yeah well for me, is... at least i like try to keep things simple so that i don't do yeah. something completely stupid yeah yeah it's the only issue is that those games can really drag and uh, we'll get into this when we talk about Civ, I bet. But when if you're playing against uh, people who don't know the system as well, it's the the little the subtleties aren't there, and the game can go longer, or there can be mistakes that are kind of like a, a kiss of death that you don't real. You're a dead man walking. It's just going to take a long time for that that death to hit you. So I'm not saying I'm immune to that by any stretch, but I think 18:30 in particular really rewards people playing fast and hard. And if you don't, it turns into an eight hour game. When in reality, it should be a three or four hour game. And I'm just as guilty of it as other people. But I think 18 mechs should be similar. But I've never seen a bankruptcy in all our games we've played of these games uh, of 18xx. Never been a bankruptcy. Not once. I think you got to play a little riskier, right? Like Mm. we're all playing builders games and that's kind of not really a bankruptcy style. I think like to to go bankrupt, you need to try to do something that's going to make you win and not quite pull it off. Yeah, and that's just something that we don't really go for. Well, it's also that the problem is that if you get if you're making the most money at this time, there's zero incentive for you to rush things. Mm-hmm. Um, you True. just want to keep things going things, as it is. Yeah, you don't want any trains bought. You just want those twos to run for as long as you yeah. can. Yeah. So totally. like I see that when you, when you read some of these play reports, some guys say that uh, they'll buy two trains and they'll never even see them run because they'll be rusted yeah. before they. Because everybody else just bought new companies and see you start, later. Sold down, start up. I'm sure. Well, yeah. Well, eighteen thirty. That's like that's full capitalization. So you have guys starting like, oh, you you par your company low at the start. And the second time they par a hundred, so they start with a thousand capital, and now they've suddenly bought, and you can buy as many trains as you want. So <laughs> the trains are just forget about it. Flying, but anyway. But let's I hear about, about the... because of the you have the ability to. Uh, to start a new company so easily, right? Yeah, absolutely. That company needs a train, and then the next company needs a train. Well, they um, also pay into the company coffers to the shares. So that's, interestingly and... enough, GMT rates eighteen forty six only a four out of nine in complexity. Hmm. Interesting. I kind of wonder what the one to threes are. Yeah. Uh, now I want to go look through the GMT games downstairs and see what they <laughs> consider to be what. So that's interesting. Yeah. But anyway, enough about that. Tell me about letters from Whitechapel. Sure. So this is my second game of letters from Whitechapel. The first game, actually, we didn't finish. We just played one round just so that I could get kind of the feel of it. Yeah. And uh, you've played this before, right? Nope. Never. Never? Never. Okay. There was well, a copy I'll... of the boardroom I always saw, but I never I wanted to I play. So gave it a rundown last time, but I'll, yeah. I'll give another quick synopsis. Yeah, it gives it uh, Mr. Jack, Jack the Ripper, is going around killing and uh it's like very not politically correct there's like uh they call them the wretched the wretched (laughs) there's all these little white pawns which are uh the homeless the destitute prostitutes yeah Yeah. and he's just going around you know uh basically (laughs) you put out three wretched pawns and then me in this game at least as the inspector puts out seven seven black little tokens and on the bottoms of those tokens 
are either a color, which represents a police officer, or it's blank. And it's a, it's like a, um, what would you call it? A uh, red herring, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing. So nothing will actually be there. And that's me mm-hmm. placing the police based off of where the, the women are to be ready to catch Jack when he kills. Oh, okay. But Jack doesn't get to see where those police, where are actually police. They just, you know. So there's a little bit of mystery there for him. And then he can either um, kill or he can wait and, and he gets to peek at one of them but has some kind of penalty. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they've never waited. They just always just go straight to the killing. Uh, <laughs> that's not the way that Jason said it either. But <laughs> I can't say it on the radio. <laughs> that's why we can use our imagination. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so Jack kills somebody somewhere on the map, and that's where he is. So you know his starting location, and then he needs to get to his home base. But he has like carriages that he can get in and he has lanterns where he can uh, alley walk so that instead of going from like spot to spot, he can like cut through blocks and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he has a bunch of tricks up his sleeve to get back to his base without getting found. The police, there's five policemen and you control them in order. And this is where the one verse many comes in, right? Like if Uh you had five people on the other side, each would control one policeman. Uh Uh-huh. In our case, I'm controlling all five. So I'm just kind of got this little army going around, but they're slow and Jack is fast. Basically, they move on squares from square to square and he moves from circle to circle and circles are more spread out on this map. Mm-hmm. It's a map of England that's kind of, it's got a river running through it. There's just, I think there's like 194 locations he could be at. It's very complicated compared to something like Mr. Jack. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, are are you one of these are you in one of these twelve squares? It's like he could he could be any in any of hundred and ninety four places. Yeah. And then what you're trying to do is you're trying to you can go to a place with a police officer, you can only do two things. You can either try to arrest the guy, and if he's there, good for you, you win the game. Mm-hmm. Or you can ask, or you can search for clues on every circle that's bordering the square you're sitting on. Ah. And if he was ever there, you then get a clue on that spot. So that's you picking up his path, right? Picking up the okay. trail. Sure. And, and so you know if how you, old it was, or? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is you can see on the track how many moves he's made. So if he's made four moves, and you know where he killed. You can say, okay, well, logically, you know, if you went from circle here, circle here, circle here, circle here, he's there now, right? Yeah. If if it's four moves away. But usually what ends up happening is you get a cop there, you search, you know, the first places he went, and then you're like, okay, he went in that direction. And then you got some other cops trailing behind that will kind of like logically try to figure out, well, let's see if he went this way, and you'll send a guy there. And you kind of pick up a general trail, but usually... There was only one time where I actually knew exactly where he was, and then he just got into a carriage and went two spaces away, and I had no <laughs> idea. It's a bit like um, the easiest comparison is um, Captain Sonar when the radio operator has finally yeah. figured it out, and you know exactly where the guy is, and you've pinned him down, but then they do a silence. <laughs> You're just like, oh man, they could be anywhere. Yeah. 
it's that exact feeling of despair of like, man, I had them, and then they slip the noose. And so it's very exciting. It's like a, it's a cat and mouse game, and one on one, I think it's fantastic. And I think uh, Kaz and Jason play it one on one all the time, so they're pretty good. And it's one of their favorite games. I can see how it would be extremely boring with six people because of just like Fury of Dracula. It's like Jack sits there or Jack writes down a move and then that's it. They've moved. Yeah. And everyone else thinks everybody about it, else, argues. <laughs> yeah. Spends half an hour doing their turn. And then he literally just writes down another circle. Right. But I guess if you're the if you're the sadistic type, you get to cackle at their stupidity. <laughs> you listen to them completely lose you. Well, it's just but, the, um, it's, it's the same thing on. that like we. Sorry to interrupt you. It's that when I when we played Fury of Dracula, it's just like Kale sitting there and took her twenty minutes in between turns to do stuff, and it's like that's not fun at all. In our game, obviously, I'm doing all five guys, so I move them pretty quickly. And then I, you know, some some of them I don't even bother asking clues or whatever because he couldn't even be that far, or I know he's already gone past it. Um, but generally, um, the idea is there's four rounds, and he gets less and less bonuses, like less carriages, less. Ah, as the game goes round, on, so it's harder for him. And even though you know you're probably not going to catch him, everything that he does is a clue for you because. He has to get back to his hideout, and his hideout never changes. Mm. So you kind of narrow down within, you know, like if you're doing okay, within four or five circles where his hideout is, because he, when you're following this breadcrumb trail, he always ends up kind of in the same spot. So then you start placing policemen, you know, like blocking the pathways and stuff around there, and you start making it difficult for him to get home, and then you can kind of try to corral him or something. I know I wasn't very successful in that. In fact, the fourth of five rounds, I eventually found out where he went on his first move, and nothing after that. <laughs> it was the completely ah. cold trail. Oh he my did god! An amazing job. Now he's limited to fifteen turns to get home, but that's tons of time. Yeah. So what ended up happening in the last round? He killed the last person, and all he had to do was get home. But he kind of took a shortcut, and I took like a random path, and got really lucky, and I found out exactly where he was within two spaces. And one of my guys who was just walking on a side path that I, I like had given up hope on was actually blocking him from going anywhere else. Yeah. So in the end, I had a fifty-fifty chance of knowing where he was, and if I didn't find out, he was home free, and I went there and I just took the risk and I said, I arrested this space and I got him. And it was so cool because I had done so terribly the whole game. And all it takes is it's like the wolf and red riding hood, you know, the wolf just needs to get lucky once. Uh, and <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. He had, done, he had done such a good job that they're really like, I had no clue where he was or where he was going. And then all of a sudden I just kind of stumbled on him. And like, it's just, the game is exciting because of that, because even when you're out of it, you know, there's, it's not like other games where it's like, well, I know that I've lost this game of splendor or whatever, but I'm playing it out. There's still a very small chance uh, that you could just pull out a random win as, as either side, really. Yeah. 
because well, he could what, have done something like doubled back or you know whatever. What's the time uh, length on this game? Eh, two hours, I'd say. Each round takes maybe twenty minutes. It all depends on the investigator too, because they take yeah. a lot longer. Well, it sounds like is at least my experience with this that those types of games, it's um, especially when you're the one being chased, that they are able to create the sensation of like actual excitement and like really get your heart racing in a way that very few other games do. And it's, I'd say the closest I can think of are things like in Pandemic when everyone's working together and you're all trying to solve, like beat this puzzle. But I think when we were playing, I think Spectre Ops or Nexus Ops, I think is the game that um, uh, Evan brought over the one time. And that's similar where it's a, a one versus many. And you're the one person's trying to infiltrate this like cyberpunk sort of uh, uh, I don't know server room, and the rest of you are like bounty hunters trying to chase them all with superpowers and stuff. So the the one guy is insanely overpowered by himself, but the three of you are overpowered altogether. So, but when you're being chased and you're like you've got him, I got him. And it's like no, how is this? But he's supposed to be right here. It doesn't make any sense. It's like I was following the breadcrumbs, and then it's like oh no, he, where did he go? And then as soon as the chase is on, you're like get him, get him, get him. Oh, they're fun. They are fun. Yeah, it was exciting. And I mean, it's an old game and it's clunky, but I think it was re-implemented by Whitehall Mystery. Ah, uh, that's right, yeah. The 2017 version is much smaller and uh, a lot more interactive for the killer. So I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend Letters from Whitechapel. It's a bit dated. Whitehall Mystery I haven't actually played, but it's probably a lot better. Um, but I would say that if you are going to play Letters from Whitechapel, at least on your first game, play it one-on-one, because at least that gives you the element of, like, I learn everything in the first play. Whereas if, if you're playing with a big group of people, you could probably just coast by on your phone, and you might actually not be participating <laughs> on that. <laughs> well. Okay. All right, well, let's, uh, let's take a musical break on that one, and we'll be back in a second. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM, Android's Dungeon. What you just heard was the track Deadwell from the Northern Journey soundtrack. Northern Journey is a absolutely bizarre computer game, a labor of love from one man, a very strange Scandinavian fellow, and it is unlike anything you've played, probably. It is janky, it is uh, confusing, and it is surreal in a way that feels like you've just ate a bunch of mushrooms and somebody just plopped you down in uh, the, the woods in northern Europe and was playing dungeon synth to you the entire time. And you're like, oh my god, what is going on? So, highly recommend it though. I, I swear, it's, it's, it's unlike anything you've played. And it's got this beautiful aesthetic that really shows the passion coming from somebody recreating their sort of... Uh, I, I guess the, the their ancient Scandinavian fantasy world. Really, really cool. And it's inexpensive, so give it a shot. For the break, we were discussing Letters from Whitechapel, the classic... I think that game's been out for a while, hasn't it, Joel? I'm going to say... Uh, I don't want to say it's 20 years it's old. From but a it's a bygone like, era. Yeah, it's like, I think... And like you said, F, it's been re-implemented. And uh, before that, 1846. 2011, I guess that's 10 years old. Yeah, that's, that's a long time in board games. Mm. Anyway, uh, the, we got to play a nine-player game of Civilization. On, on the, the eastern map. On the eastern map. So right away, uh, things are different. I don't know and... if you saw my post, but a lot of people kept posting on it saying, like, how come you got your copy already? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been funny. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Uh, but yes, we got we got to play it on the eastern map. We we pulled the rug on people for it, and I don't want to dive too much into the mechanics of Civ because it, I don't feel like talking about it. And anyone who's listening to the show knows how civilization works. So, uh, in the nutshell, though, the eastern map is basically taking Eastern Europe, and um, I, I guess that's kind of it, isn't it? It's Eastern Europe. Um, I don't think it stretches into Asia. Am I wrong? I don't think well, so. I don't know where Asia begins. It's technically, India is South Asia, and it's got Indus. Yeah, so you kind of like north, top of North Africa, Middle East, uh, Eastern Europe, and I guess the the West Western Asia, whatever. Who cares? Point is, the map is uh, very different. I don't remember it being as different as it was when we played the, the played it the first time, and uh, it is. Right away, the, the thing I'll say is that I was never, ever straining my eyes to see where to put tokens or where stuff was because the map is actually, uh, because they designed it from scratch, you're able to see the token spaces properly. So you know that they knew it was a problem, and in this case, they fixed that. Uh, beyond that, I'm going to let Joel give his thoughts on it. Interestingly enough, I was Kushan, and Kushan is one of the most controversial uh nations and i had no idea and that's one of the reasons it actually came up in our game which is kushan is landlocked and is therefore immune to cyclone and piracy and so there just comes up this whole thing well if you're not affected by calamity should you be able to pass it out and uh it actually came up in a discussion on this post where uh flow dehan the des designer said that um, the reason why it's okay that Kushan is Im immune to these calamities is 
because they have a hard enough time. They're basically their their weakness is that they don't have access to ships and, and coastal travel. Don't know why that's weakness, really. Uh, <laughs> you but, mean they're uh, immune to coastal invasion is another way to look at <laughs> yeah. it. Um, but basically, another guy basically was say was saying that it's it's more fun. Uh, what did he say? Some secondary effects from calamities are more fun if they hit someone who is not protected, aka they play with it. You're immune to it, but you still get to hang hand out the whammies, the secondary whammies to other people. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, I mean, you can play the game in whatever way you want, right? It it feels chintzy enough that you're immune to stuff, let alone. Like, I'm immune, and I get to benefit from it. So it's not even a whammy. It's like, I've handed you a loaded gun that you just uh, can point at people. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, beyond that, so you were Kushan, I was Babylon. Um, and, uh, well, maybe I'll get the ball rolling. I feel like Babylon is not balanced if you don't have the west map attached. Um, I, f- I think there's just too much space. You have neighbors? I think you need to have a neighbor on the, the, your back end. Because yeah. I, without yeah. that pressure, you can just stretch forward. And because you have that giant desert in northern Africa, um, blocking really easy uh, sort of shenanigans, unless they're going to buy tons of boats. And maybe that's what the issue is. Jason just needed... Or not Jason. Um, <sighs> Josh needed to send... Be more aggressive with mm. boats and stuff. But to be fair, mm-hmm. I could have been more aggressive with boats and taken things too. So yeah. in general, it's... I thought I had a really easy ride territorially. Mark and I had never fought. Yeah. Eric and I never really fought. Uh, and it seemed kind of the same with Patrick on the other side. You know, he had this peninsula that was narrow and was bordered by oceans. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, the only way you to advance on that is the one neighbor you have to your east. Yeah. Of course, they were still fighting all the time. <laughs> they yeah. didn't have to. No, it's and still- that's... And then the map situation was such that Indus and Kushan, who were like, I'm at least, I've at least got the northern border, but Indus is just right in the middle and land borders with four other nations. Mm-hmm. So it's, and I guess you could say like Hellas is pretty much, you have land borders with uh, two other nations and you're going to be sharing a lot of time with Carthage and Rome's going to be in a similar position with uh, Hattie and Hellas and... And I think we I, talked a bit about that, about the the edges being stronger, yeah. like Egypt, Carthage, not so much Iberia for some reason. I don't know. Maybe they just don't have much opportunity. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like that the the less neighbors you have, the better. Basically, it's just oh, absolutely, yeah, less trouble. Yeah. So, without diving too far into the um, maybe the nitty gritty stuff that only the the seasoned veterans of civilization would appreciate. What did you think of the Eastern map and what did you think of the game, Joel? Well, I thought that, like, and we, I touched on this very briefly in our, our like text discussion after, but I think that it really shows like it shows the brilliance of Francis Tresham's hand in the Western map, because the, even though the Western map has these tiny spaces that we complain about all the time, I think we can all agree that even though you know it feels better to be Egypt or it feels better to be this and that, that we've seen through the results and who wins that everybody has an equal shot and that mm-hmm. it's a well-balanced map. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge. It's so hard to make a balanced map that's asymmetrical. And then, obviously, Flo Han and his 
his team they said they worked on the game for 10 years obviously they worked really hard on balance and everything like that but it's still it the eastern map just falls far short of the western map as far as um as far as design goes there's there's inexplicable massive areas of ocean there's yeah. unused there's peninsulas off to the side that are like you know isolated there's that whole i think i think you're right like it is a piece of of mega civilization right yeah uh i don't know if we're allowed to say it <laughs> mega empires i don't know but uh with with an attachment and having like assyria and egypt and everything there as neighbors uh the map might make more sense and it i don't know i didn't play the 18 player game but it yeah. seemed like you know there was some interaction there but yeah i i, I think the map wasn't as good as the western map and just i think probably just because we weren't used to it uh the extra good that comes in at nine player games makes it so much harder to get oh oh my god yeah and i never that never occurred to me and also maybe i needed to set higher time limits but maybe i also wasn't being aggressive enough but everybody was trading in these pairs and i always found that and this is just the situation of the game for me that I was able to make one, maybe two trades per round, and it was never even nearly enough to set up, you know, or uh, to get close to a set. I feel like I, I, tr- I was able to trade with every. I never felt pressed for time, maybe once, but I, de- I never, I did not cash in a, f- a full set once that entire game. Closest I got was like maybe one away or two away, and they're worth a lot of points, but you never ever. I th- there were one, maybe one or two times that somebody had something and they just weren't parting. And uh, I think in this game especially, I've learned to just be shameful, shameless about lying because like, yeah. one of the worst questions you'll get is like, how many of these do you have? And I'll Yeah, <laughs> oh, you have five? Well, I know what this is worth to you. I'm not giving yeah. it to you. Or they're going to bleed you dry for it. Yeah, so it's there's nothing wrong getting, you know, if you get that card, it's worth it. But uh, that's why it's easier to just say, oh, I got two. Or just hopefully one more than they've got. So it I makes think you were off easy. somewhere, and Andrew was saying that at the end of the game, he said, "I was listening to Jack doing trades, and I, one thing that I learned was that, that never tell anybody what you've got. Yeah, <laughs> and always, always be, you know, keep it tight to your chest, or say that you have less, and yeah. then you see somebody trade in, and it's like, oh, you actually have seven of those, not two. Yeah. Well, there were a couple times too that I heard people asking for stuff and when you see them making their way around and like rearranging cards in their hand too it's like you got what you wanted get it get out of here yeah giving you their seventh card especially at the end when you can you've eaten like probably the worst whammies possible and you're just gonna pass that off to me uh that said i want to we've only got four minutes left but what i want to bring up is uh i want to institute the rule from original civ that there's no more calamity shuffling when you get them i think you just take the worst you you discard the lowest that's what i want to bring in Fine with that, yeah. Because then people start, what, taking on whammies just knowing that they don't have to use them? Mm-hmm. And that was the other thing about Kushan and everything like that. So I, don't, I know we don't have a ton of time to get back to that. Yeah, yeah. But, go on. Um, people were saying, you know, like, well, if Kushan, or I, I think I mentioned it, that if Kushan is immune to piracy and cyclone, then why would what, what incentive do they have to get rid of those, right? Because if they get to throw piracy at other people and nope, that's exactly other it. people, they're going to keep that because they're going to want to use that ability to knock down whoever they want. Absolutely. That's what, I, that's what I meant when they said a loaded gun. 
Why would you and, get rid uh, of that? I think somebody asked Flo directly, like, what are you going to do about this? Or what's what's your ruling on this? And he said this. I just you know, paste it into the chat. He said, Robert Baran, it will be clear when you get the rule book. Snow no. calamities are introduced. So there's something where they're they're fixing that in the Eastern just, Empires. Couldn't you just say snow. <laughs> so are they just changing the name of it soon it's like it's, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that, i don't could, know what it means. just say something it's a teaser <laughs> whatever house rule that I, I i have no problem with them being unaffected well i do have a problem with it but i, I have no problem with them being unaffected if they just throw it away but if yeah. they get to hold on to it and cat like throw it around that's absurd yeah anyway that about does it so let's call it there thank you for the sandwich dungeon on cfru 93.3 fm Check us out on Facebook at Guelph Board Gamers, Guelph Board Game Group, Instagram, Androids Dungeon, Twitter, 80 Radio CFRU, and choose an email, droiddungeonradio at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Hasta la vista. Bye-bye.